What is going on? My name is Taylor and this podcast is called Who Knows, a podcast that works to answer the simply complicated questions of life and promote a life of self-love, mental health, and creating your own normal. Don't worry, we are just as lost as you are. Hello, Who Knows fam, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. That's right, I said it. Hopefully, everyone is having a fantastic day, and wherever you are, you're totally feeling the magic of fall one way or another. Shout out to my Florida fam. Get yourself an iced pumpkin spice, baby. It is hot, but you deserve fall too. I used to live in Florida. I've been there. You can do it. Fall can happen anywhere. I believe in you. And guys, it's Halloween because Halloween is the whole month of October if you didn't know that. If you didn't know, get hip to it. It's better to celebrate it the whole month because then you can be super spooky way longer than just one day because one day is really not enough. Am I right? Before we get into it, I just want to remind everyone how much it means to us when you leave a review. Those reviews really help new listeners find the show, which helps us to keep growing. And of course, I read them and they make me smile. But really, it helps the show grow. And that's the important thing because we want this to reach people. We want to grow the fam. We want to build a community of people who can communicate together. And so leaving a review is really going to help that. So leave a review wherever reviews are accepted. Another way that you can support the show is through Patreon. We have a lot of cool extra stuff going on over there. We have a whole video series that you can gain access to for just $5 a month and a whole bunch of extra audio for just $1 a month. So come join the Patreon fam. You will love it. If you think I'm hilarious on here, you didn't say nothing yet. Go see the Patreon. So we have a segment on this show called The Things, and it's where I take a minute to talk about a few things that I might be super into right now, exciting things that have happened, like events or accomplishments, or sometimes stuff that might be really difficult right now. And this week, The Thing is a festival that I went to. It's called Work It. I went last week, and it's a women's podcast festival hosted by WNYC. This is my second year at Work It, and I just have to say that this festival has to be the most inspiring event that I've ever had the pleasure of attending. Having the opportunity to meet and talk with so many women in the industry who are working hard to create amazing work and who are inspiring other women to do the same is just, it's like, I can hardly put it into words because it really, that's, it's just so powerful. There are all these sessions that you can attend where people share things that they have learned, stories of how they've created their work. Guys, I met Anna Sale And if you're not a podcast nerd like me um, and you're not obsessed with Death, Sex, and Money, which is a really good show through WNYC that you should totally check out. But she's the host and I met her and I talked to her for like 20 minutes and she was super nice and it was amazing. So there's moments like that among many others that happen during Work It. And Death, Sex, and Money was the first podcast I ever listened to back in 2015. And it was just a really surreal moment to get to tell the person that I've been listening to, thank you for the work that you've done. And it was great. Work It is a place where I feel validated as a woman. I feel lifted up from 
all the mental weight that I have to go through on a daily basis, uh, you know, just like working alone. I get to talk to all these women and they're all going through similar things. And, you know, I get advice from them and, you know, encouragement. And it just makes me want to continue doing what I'm doing, even when it's really hard. Um, and that can be really difficult because it can get really hard and it's hard to see past all of that, you know. But I always leave work at feeling like I can do anything. And I'm definitely going to use everything that I learned this year to make who knows the best that it can be and to continue to find my place and keep shining in the podcast community for all of you and for myself. All right, let's get into it. Episode four. So this week I hung out with Sophia Carter-Khan and she's the host of She's All Fat, which is, quote, the podcast for body positivity, radical self-love and chill vibes only. Talk about the podcast for me. Love it. It's a great show. Definitely listen to it if you haven't. But this is also the other podcast that Lynn and Maria work on. So shout out to the whole family over there, the whole team of She's All Fat. Sophie lives in LA and apart from doing She's All Fat, she's also the social media manager for Call Your Girlfriend, another amazing podcast that you should listen to. And she's also a writer. And on this episode, Sophie and I talked about so many things. We talked about body positivity. We talked about podcasting. We talked about life. And I even say it in this episode, this is really, in my opinion, what podcasting is all about. The conversation that her and I have is just like, you know, we're talking about things that really need to be talked about, connecting with a new, I'm connecting with a new person, talking to her and learning from that person. And it's a really good one. Lots of good stuff. And I really hope that you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed talking to Sophie. So here's Sophie and I talking about the world of podcasting. Thank you so much for being on the show. I am fangirling just a little bit right now to be talking to another podcast host of a podcast that I personally <laughs> listen to. And so I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is so nice. And it's so cool that we have a wonderful person in common, two actually now, Maria and Lynn. Yes, <laughs> Maria and Lynn, two yes. of, they are in the family and they are in the Who Knows yes. fam. And we love them so much. Oh my God, the best, yeah, the, the best. best. So this is a question that I like to ask everybody, whoever I interview. It's always like the who is question, because I love to get to know who the person is that I'm talking to before we talk about, you know, the thing that they do. So who is Sophia Carter-Khan? How can you answer that question? Hmm. I feel like a lot of times people answer that question with the relationships that they have. You know, they'll be like daughter, sister, girlfriend, like whatever. Yes. But I feel like at my core, I'm really still the 12 year old girl who really liked high fantasy novels and like was really convinced that she could do anything if only like people would just listen to her. Yes. <laughs> I identify with that so hardcore. <laughs> Even still today, I'm like, if you would just listen to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's my like deepest core. And then you know, now there's all sorts of other stuff like years of 
chronic illness. And so now, you know, who am I? I'm like someone who sometimes cancels plan because I have a poop disease. You know, I like doing crafts in a very like multi-craft way. Some people get really good at crafts and I'm like a, a craft speed dater. I like doing one project with, de- with each kind of craft. And then my boyfriend's like, why do we have all these beading supplies? And I'm like, because I was really into it for two months is why. Yes, you go hard on that thing. Like if I'm going to try yeah. this, even though I know it's only going to be for a little bit, I'm going to go hard. I want to do it right. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love both really high, like high art and low art equally. I watch a lot of TV because I want to eventually maybe be a TV writer and I equally love my like HBO or like AMC or like indie whatever dramas as much as I love my Riverdale and my Blacklist, yes. which are both terrible shows, but like they're also amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah I've for watched sure. all of Criminal Minds for no yes. reason. I just have. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I like reading. I like writing. I like being with my friends and my boyfriend and my pets. I'm an indoors girl and, uh, I like a malls. Yes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm a terrible cook. I feel oh. like that's a good, a good roundup probably. Yeah, I feel like that's a really good, very well-rounded answer to that question. I yeah. love that. <laughs> so, all right, let's get into it. Let's talk about She's All Fat. There are so many things, not even just about creating the podcast that I want to touch on, but we can start with, you know, I just want to know what made you want to start She's All Fat? Um, well, I have a friend named April and she was my co-host for the first three seasons. Now she is a successful TV writer. We're very proud of her. Watch, um, watch Sunnyside coming to NBC this fall very soon. Heck yeah. So she moved here. We were like friends from being an online writing community together. This app called List App that was created by BJ Novak, which is like the weirdest origin story ever. But we made friends on there. And then she moved to LA to like be a writer. We had a lot of conversations about body positivity. And one day she was like, we should do a podcast. And I was like, Okay. And so we like sat down and we made a list of everything we wanted to accomplish with it and do with it and how we wanted it to start. Then we just kind of went for it. So when it first started, it was a lot of just our conversations about topics that we found we were having conversations about that we weren't seeing a lot of other people our age or with our point of view or with our experiences specifically, like having conversations about. There's a bunch of other cool like fat related podcasts, fat positive podcasts, and we link a bunch of them on our website. And there's ones created by more academically minded people or there's ones created by people who are older if they want like another generational look. There's all sorts of podcasts, but there wasn't one that was what we wanted to listen to, which was basically like Who Weekly, but for talking about social justice, (laughs) essentially. Yeah. So we made a list of topics that we wanted to talk about. And every week we had fun segments and we talk about our obsessions. We talk about like things that we like. We talk about race things. April's black and I'm white. We come from very different backgrounds. We would talk about that. And then we'd also have the meat of it where we talk about some specific topic in that relates to like fat justice or body positivity. So fat suits in media. That was actually one of my favorite episodes that I listened really? to. Yeah, because it was something that I didn't think about. Like I watched Shallow Hell like a hundred times when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. There's just so many things that were totally fine like when we grew up and now it's like, oh, that's actually not great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think there's a lot of 
things like that, that April and I found ourselves having conversations like, does anyone else see this? <laughs> like, this is not okay. Yeah. And that's why we yeah. would do episodes about them. So we would choose media to critique or like specific experiences that happened to us and then just talk about them. We'd have people write in and stuff. And then when April left, both because she was having some health things at the time and then she was trying to interview for these writing jobs, she was like, I can't do everything at once. And I was like, it makes sense. I want you to be a writer. Go be a writer. And it works. We're like, I cannot overstate how proud I am of her for being on this show. Like literally it's created by Mike Schur. Mike Schur is like her hero. It's crazy. She like did it. She did it. So then for season four, I was like, okay, I don't want to stop doing this yet. I don't feel done with it yet. What can I do that doesn't feel like replacing April. There's nothing worse than on a TV show when like a character leaves and then they're like, here's this new character that's very similar. (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, we did a lot of chatty things and now I want to do some chatty things, but some things that feel a little bit more reported, more like other podcasts I really like, like Reply All or It's American Life, like that kind of style. So for season four, which was our our most recent season, we did a mix of episodes where I would have people on to interview them for more chatty episodes, people who I have chemistry with, like I do with April and just talk about things. And then episodes where we would go more in depth onto specific topics. And also it gave me an opportunity to get more audio outside of just the studio and do some more fields things. I was really proud of the first episode of season four where I talked to my mom about our different relationships with our bodies and how her relationship with her body affected mine. And it was like a very personal, very specific episode. We did a couple episodes about the way that fashion works with different sizing and the way small businesses have been able or not able to increase sizing like what's in the way because I see a lot of conversation about that online like questions about that kind of stuff and then we also had fun episodes like I talked with my friend Jasmine Jay who I met when I was at BuzzFeed who is another plus size influencer and YouTuber and all-around cool person it's been a really fun mix and we're prepping for season five now and there's going to be more more cool stuff, more surprises. Every season, I feel like we've grown and changed and done cool things and new things. And I feel like I still have a lot more to say and a lot more topics to hit. So yeah, that's the podcast. Yeah. So one of the things that drew me to She's All Fat the most, I mean, maybe it's a little obvious, but like just the conversations about body positivity, because that's something that I have struggled with and still struggle with. I'm a straight sized person, like I'm fully aware that I am considered a thin person. But like, I've had such a messed up past with people telling me that I'm fat, because there is like this idea that the only way to be is super, super thin, or like slim thick is now a thing and stuff like that. All these conversations that went on in my like young adulthood about my body times where I felt like the only way to be happy was to be thin. And I and even now I suffer from moderate OCD. And the way that I feel about my body is even worse sometimes now because of that. One of the things that I have is the way that clothing fits. We talk a lot about, oh, I'm a size two and I'm a size this and I'm a size that. Lo and behold, sizing is stupid. Like yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. It's like yeah. the most ridiculous thing ever. And like there are just so many things we've been told for so long that are 
actually legitimately not true. And when you, you know, when you struggle with mental health already and you're told all of these things and you have all these doubts and anxieties, it's just, it's so hard to kick, even though I look at myself and I know that I'm a straight sized person. For so long, it's been so hard to find spaces where all bodies are accepted. And now they're showing up more and more, and which is fantastic. But for so long, I didn't even know that body positivity was a thing. I didn't even yeah. know that people could talk nicely about people that were not a size two, you know what I mean? Yeah. One of the things that we were saying is that you talk about pieces of media that you know, are not very kind to fat people. And again, that's just constantly being bombarded with those kinds of messages that are against being any size but super small. I kind of have to thank you in a way. You and Food Psych. Oh, yeah, were the I love two her. Shows. Yeah, that were the ones that I was like, okay, maybe I do have an eating disorder. Okay, okay, maybe I need to rethink how I feel about clothing. Maybe it really isn't me. But we're told everywhere that it's you, it's you, it's you, like you're the problem. Yeah. And it's really not. It's totally. Really I mean, that's one of the reasons we make a big distinction between body positivity and self-love, because I think a lot of times culture in general will conflate the way you think about yourself with the way the body you have with the way that society is set up. You know, like you can feel good about yourself if you're this size, because that means you fit in this spot. Right. And the reason that we separate those two terms, I mean, body positivity to me is, I mean, there's people who argue about the term, but it's like the same to me as fat justice or fat positivity, because body positivity is about recognizing the structural issues within society that's set up to center thin bodies and not just thin bodies, but white bodies, abled bodies, bodies that are privileged in certain ways. And to look at it in a non-emotional way as much as I can and be like, huh, this is fucked up. What are the structural problems in place with this? What is the messaging that's being sent to me? And what's actually true? Is it my fault that I walk into a restaurant and there's no chairs without arms? Does that mean I should feel bad about myself? Or does that mean I should say like, huh, this restaurant doesn't seem to want my money. They don't want my body to sit here. And that's really different from self-love, which is can be had or not had at any size. Body positivity as as it is, is I think a lot of times when I hear from thinner people or straight size people is like, but I feel bad about myself. I'm like, that's okay. That's totally separate from what we're talking about here. You're not oppressed in certain ways by society. That doesn't mean that you don't get fucked up messaging from society. It's just different right, aspects right. of it, which is why I find like there's so many different conversations to be had because both of those topics, the structural part and then the like emotional, personal, like everyone deals with the thing part are like both separate conversations that have so much interplay and interest and intersection in each other. I want the podcast to both center fat bodies, but be open and friendly and good for everyone who listens to it in the same way that like I am white and I like to listen and consume a lot of media about racial justice or centering black people. It's like the same thing. I mean, you know, don't compare anything to racism, but like racism hurts white people as well, but in an obviously very different way. Being part of a white supremacist culture is also not good for white people at the end of the day. It like makes us damaged, but that doesn't mean that we are structurally oppressed in the same way that black people are. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good way 
of putting all of that in a way that I've never really thought of it. The idea that, yes, I feel bad about myself, but I'm not being oppressed in the same way as a person who is fat or disabled or, you know, a person of color because I am a straight sized white female. Yeah. And, you know, like I do deal with a lot as a female and like I do deal with a lot as a bisexual woman. Yeah. It's still not the same as some of the other things that other people deal with, which also is in the self-love sector of that kind of reminds us that like, if I feel emotionally distraught about my body, that doesn't mean that those feelings aren't real. Yeah, totally. It's just different. Right. I mean, it's just different. Like they're just yeah. different struggles. It's like- but they all matter. It's yeah. Like it's still, anyway, but it's still my responsibility to lift up the voices of those that are actually being oppressed. Totally. I mean, I think they're just different topics. It can feel sometimes to me like, man, it really sucks that the only option for me to be in an airplane is to literally pay for another seat, <laughs> like yeah. a whole other seat. And then someone else- is like, and I feel bad when I have to like get a larger size. And I'm like, I said something about the color red and you said something about the color green. Like they're just totally different conversations. Then I think sometimes someone who isn't super in depth about it feels like they're being shut down. And it's like, no, that's not really what's happening. We can talk about your thing too. It's just a different thing than what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. It's all valid. Yes. We're not questioning the validity of your, your emotional struggle. It's just like you said, they're talking about two different things, which I've really, really never thought about it like that. Thank you for saying that. Cause I feel like I learned (laughs) something. I like thinking about those things on two different spectrums. Well, I want like, that's one of the reasons I like having these conversations during the podcast. I feel like the more knowledge you get and the more learning you get, the more vocabulary you have to talk about your experience and other people's experiences instead of feeling very unmoored or kind of boundaryless about it. You can be like, okay, here's why I am in this landscape and here's where my feelings sit and here's other people who feel like me and here's who I like the resources I can go to. And it starts to become more laid out in front of you how to approach things instead of feeling just like I feel bad and everything's bad and blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) One of the things that I've tried to do with my show is promote the idea of having conversations, not only with people who are different than you, like have, you know, gone through a different life or that kind of thing, but have different opinions than you. Because I feel like one of the biggest mistakes that we're making as a society is this whole I'm right, you're wrong game. This might seem controversial, but the way that I'm saying it, I feel like will make sense. To some people, who I can wholeheartedly say I don't agree with, to some people, fat is wrong. Yeah. I know on your website you have the the hate mail tab and love people yeah. who, who have openly told you that fat is wrong. Yeah. But like to some people, fat is wrong. And I believe that they should be allowed to think that way. The problem really comes in when they feel the need to tell you that what you're doing is wrong. You can you can have your fat hate all day at Christmas dinner with your family who all hates fat people. But when you come into somebody else's space and tell them that what they're doing is wrong, 
that's the real problem. And I think that if we all just took the time to distinguish and find boundaries, like you said, that's why I like encourage people to have conversations with people who are different than them and learn more about other things because A, maybe their mind will change, but if it doesn't, maybe they will just at least be able to see like, okay, this is a human being that I'm talking to that deserves the same sort of respect that I do. I'm going to keep my feelings to myself. I think that's super important. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times what people don't see is that coming into someone else's space to say it is part of what structural oppression is. You know, people will think, oh, it's just my opinion. I'm like, okay, but how are you enforcing this in ways that affect other people? And they don't necessarily see that, you know, like, okay, someone who thinks that fat people are fat because they're lazy and they don't care about us, whatever. Okay, what's that person's job? If they're a doctor, are they providing good medical care for fat people? Probably not. If they're a teacher, are they passing that message on to kids? Probably. If they're a manager in a clothing store, are they going to advocate to have more different kinds of sizes on the racks? You know, it's a lot of that stuff leads into this like structural part of it. Right. I also think a lot of times those conversations are best had with people who aren't going to be made to feel like they're defending who they are. Like I would rather have my thin friends have those conversations with people who think that. So I don't feel, have to feel like I'm defending my existence as a human being, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I think most bigotry comes from not knowing other people, like not being exposed to other people and a deep fear of being wrong in yourself. And then people feel like they need to be like, well, I'm better than that because it's like, why? Why do you got to be better? Why do you got to be better than that? You know? But yeah, I mean, I think if somebody hates that people, they can do that on their own. I don't particularly want to argue with them about it. But if my thin friends want to, then that's good on them. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that brings into the conversation the idea of the people that are being oppressed. They have to do work every single day all the time. Yeah. You know, that's why allyship can be so important and like as a straight-sized person even though like I feel bad about my own body sometimes I have to still stand up for the people that have to buy two airplane seats which is like ah I'm just like (laughs) thinking about the money for that I'm like I know it's a huge pain and not even the money but just like all the other emotional stuff that goes along with that was like cool I don't belong here yeah I mean the the best airline for it right now is Southwest because they let you buy a second seat and then refund after the flight. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it's, it's a fairly okay solution for right now, but number one, that means you have to have enough money to buy two seats in the beginning and you have to have enough time to call them and go through the hour long process of like getting the refund afterwards. And then the way, yeah. And then the way that it works on the plane is just, they always say on Southwest, you know, it's like open seating. So they're like, no seats are reserved, no seats are reserved. And then I often have to like fight people off and be like, no, I paid for both seats. And then they're like, I don't believe you. And then like, I have to get a, like a flight attendant to come over. Like it becomes a whole thing basically just puts so much responsibility on me. Yeah. And it's because, you know, people will say like, well, then like, why do I have to like give up blah, blah, blah. I'm like, why are you so sure that the airline seats are made the right quote unquote size? The size that they are has decreased over the last 50 years so that plane companies can fit more seats on a plane 
get us in there like sardines and make more money. Yes. It's not because it's the right size. No. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that goes back to what I was saying before, how there are so many things in life that, you know, you think, oh, it must be me. It must be me. But no, yeah. it's them. Like, it's the other thing. Yes. That is a classic example of like, here you go. We're healthy. Yeah. Yes. yes. But you're like throwing yes. like a Band-Aid on the situation. And essentially, oh my God, totally. Like, not actually helping. I know. I was thinking about what my mom and I are planning a trip for next year together. And I was looking at some of the destinations. And like the last time I flew internationally, I was still fat, but I like wasn't the size I am now. And so I was like, oh man, I didn't think about this for international flight. It's pretty cost prohibitive for that. I was like, what am I going to do? I was like, mom, are you ready to just squish? I mean, it's more irritating for larger sizes than me, but the size that I am now, it's like, I just don't fit into this seat a tiny bit. Like I just go over the line a little bit and then I feel so stupid having the whole other seat there, you know? If the seat were just two inches wider, everyone else would be more comfortable too because there's plenty of straight-sized men who are very tall who also don't fit in those freaking seats. Yeah. But like, it was like, man, I think I'm going to have to pay for business class so that I am not getting a blood clot in my legs by the end of the flight. (laughs) Like, and airline travel is definite example of of structural stuff, but it's also like, you know, airline travel is only accessible to people who have the money for airline travel. So it's like a specific kind of, of problem, but it is one that I'm like, people do things like take pictures of me on airplanes that has happened to other friends or like before I started using exclusively Southwest, people would sit next to me and openly text people like, I'm next to someone fat. I hate this. I'm like, you hate hate this. I hate this. I don't want to be next to you. That's absolutely crazy. Complete disregard for like humanity. Yeah. I feel like a lot of what we've just talked about, if you had to boil it down, obviously there are nuances, but like disregard for, for like humanity. Totally. And that's so sad. Totally. Like it's the worst thing. I know. I think that someone who we've had on the show, who's an amazing writer, she's an anonymous writer whose handle is your fat friend. And a lot of her essays and personal essays really touch on that. And I think are really beautiful ways to talk about how fat phobia can be really dehumanizing and people feel comfortable saying all sorts of things that are like very wild and really resting in this idea that like being fat makes you lesser in some way, like a lesser person. Yeah. And and that's like one of the things that my therapist told me, one of my therapists reminded me that your worth is like is a constant. Like there is nothing that can ever happen ever. Nothing that can decrease your worth. Yeah. Like your worth is something that nobody can take away from you. No experience can take away from you. Like that's a constant in your life. Yes. I just hearing somebody say that at first, I didn't believe it because it's like, I have gone through a lot of shame and self hate throughout my life. Yeah. You know, as I get older, I remind myself that's actually real. Like you're born worth something. Yes. That's just the way that it is. And if we just treat people that way, like that would be so cool. That's another reason we talk about why, in my opinion, like fat justice, body positivity, those things are extremely tied to other kinds of social justice and anti-oppression work because the same systems that 
what people try to tell me my body makes me less of a person are the same systems that are based in colonialism and capitalism and the things that tell black people that their lives are worth less or disabled people that they don't deserve access or whatever. That's all part of, especially in America, it's extremely apparent, a culture that's built on needing to prove that you deserve to be alive, to have basic needs met and to be valued and respected as a human being, which is again, why I'm like basically a socialist, like on the show all the time. We're like, this is a socialist show. (laughs) And you know, you don't get more worth the skinnier you get. You don't get more worth the more hours of productivity you have in a day. You don't get more worth the more money you make for your boss. Like that's just what we're taught. And it's not true. You have worth no matter what what we're taught. Like we are literally all of those things that you just named are things that I distinctly remember in my life believing to be true. And especially with the productivity part. Yeah. Productivity is a, is a curse. It's a curse. Yeah. Yeah. This is something I've been talking about a lot in my therapy because the last couple of years I realized I had ADHD And it's like very underdiagnosed for adult smart women, basically, because most of us spend most of our lives just kind of getting through things through like brute force, basically, like slamming our brain through things. And when I became an adult, I finally found a lot of things that that didn't work for. It works great for the things I'm good at, like all academic things. The structure was already there. That was fine. But then as soon as I had to manage job and family and friends and like doing my laundry all the time, it fell apart and I didn't understand why. And that really like did a number on my self-worth. Like I had told myself, I must just be dumb. Like I thought I was smart, but I must be dumb because I struggle with this that other people don't struggle with. And then I read an essay in The New Yorker about the girl who went to Yale or something and realized she had ADHD after she like struggled a bunch towards the end of college. And I was like, oh my God, like that's me. Yeah. And once I started reading about it and realizing like, oh, you know what? Probably most of these things that I'm so down on myself for are either symptoms of something that's going on with me in another way or they're like structural things that I'm internalizing as individual that actually have nothing to do with me there. I'm just facing the effects of it or it's just things I'm being too hard on myself for. And I constantly still have to work on those things. Like I still have a voice in my head that's always like, "Mm, like you knocked off really early yesterday so you could play Stardew Valley on your switch. You don't deserve anything. You're lazy. And then I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, that's yeah. bullshit. Oh my gosh. I loved everything about that sentence, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's kind of scary sometimes how easy it is for the brain to just go negative and like self-deprecating right away. Yeah. And I think, again, part of it is that we've been trained to think that way. Those are the thoughts that are coming at us left and right constantly. Yeah. I mean, I think about this all the time because most of my best friends, their parents are immigrants. My my family is like white on both sides, not immigrants, except for like early 20th century. One side of my family is rich. The other side is not rich. I've always been very fascinated by how both sides of my family like really interpreted the American dream, quote unquote, or like decided to make the last hundred years work for them in whatever way. Like it's interesting to see which of my friends' parents still believe, well, I wouldn't be poor if only I'd work super hard. Like that's what America told. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that's bullshit. 
That's not true. I talk with my friends all the time about people who have been here a while are really entrenched in it. People who are here in one generation sometimes choose to buy into it because otherwise, like, why are you struggling so hard? You got to buy into something. Like so much of the narrative is like, I I hustled so hard and then I had the good idea and then it worked. I'm like, okay. Or like a lot of it's that you were lucky. A lot of it's that something happened at the right time. Like your work was aided by people doing invisible labor that you didn't talk about. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just so like the fact that we have this system where money does not actually relate to worth and it does not actually relate to value of work. It relates to like what people market value. Market value is not the same as inherent value at all. Not at all. Or else teachers would be paid a shit ton of money. That is so real. Okay. So what is one of your favorite things or what are all of your favorite things about doing She's All Fat? Hmm. Working with some of my best friends is definitely up there. April is one of my closest friends and Maria and Lynn are like my work wives. I just love them and I trust them. And as someone who has been in a lot of bad work environments, because I work in media (laughs) and like all media environments suck butt, that's really nice. (laughs) Like working with two women who I like trust completely and who will tell me their opinions and have great ideas and are so committed to this. That's amazing. And like something that makes me really want to show up and do my best. Another thing is really like the response from people. It's a weird thing, right? Because I'm doing it. I mean, I'm sure you you relate to this. Like I'm doing it at home alone most of the time. Like Maria and Lynn both don't live here. So like now that April is writing, it's just me in my house with the dog. Like sometimes I even, even though I'm making the podcast to be listened to, sometimes someone will listen to it and talk to me about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot like other people were listening to this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the being at home alone part, sometimes I'm like, oh, this is great. I get to just live in my creativity. But I would be lying if I said that there weren't many days where I was just like crying by myself where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. But at the same time, I can't not do it. Exactly. One of the hardest parts about doing the show for me has been not being able to monetize it at all. So I'll be transparent with y'all. We make $23 a month on Patreon and that's it because one of the, the only ways to make money is to sell ads. And it's all about trying to get the word out. I struggle with that sometimes. For a long time, I paid out of pocket for Maria to do the show. You know, it wasn't a lot. Yeah. And I'm paying Lynn with a grant that I got. And that's still not a lot. Yeah. The dream one day is to like have it be monetized. And sometimes that brings me down. But what lifts me up is remembering like these conversations I've had with you and getting to meet people and all those things. But yeah, like doing it by yourself is it can be really difficult. It's hard. I think the best thing is probably the community stuff. When I get messages from people who are like, I never would have thought of it this way if I hadn't heard this. That makes it really, really, really worth it for me, especially if I feel like I'm number one making people feel more seen or heard or at home like fat people. And number two, if I'm making thin people or straight sized people more aware and also more able, like we said before, to participate in like self-love for themselves as well as advocating for fatter people. But it is like the money thing is also hard. We do have ads and it's a pretty healthy Patreon and it still isn't enough to cover all of our costs. Like media is just really hard that way. Yeah, I try to be very transparent about the fact that a lot of the podcast startups 
up came from my having family money. We wouldn't be able to be where we are today if I didn't do that. I think that's really important to say because there's so many people who are trying to do their own creative projects and then they see other people doing them and they're like, how come is mine not good enough? And I'm like, no, you probably didn't yeah. have the seed money that other people did. Yeah. It's a huge boon. And I didn't do anything to be born with that money. My, you know, ancestors, they weren't better people than other people, you know, it's just luck that I was born that way. And so I try to be very open about that, especially in media and creative work. A lot of people don't disclose that. And I think that's fucked up. But even so, it's, you know, we need to be making more money. But that's hard to do when I also am not willing to give up creative power over right. it, you know, and I'm not willing to shill for things I don't believe in. Right. And I'm not willing to compromise on various things. The dream is that one day we'll be like rolling in it. But <laughs> mostly so that I can like pay Maria and Lynn what they deserve to be paid. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, that is the money making part of it. That's really like really underscored for me my beliefs in how money is not tied to value because I think the value of our podcast is much higher than like monetary worth at the moment. I mean, it's also like within different systems, right? Like I'm really proud of how much Maria hustled this last season to get ads for us. They were all ads for things that I like that one of somebody on the team uses that I believe in. Half of them about were small businesses that are like fat owned. Some of them are like things that I think other fat people will like. And so because of that, we have like a pretty high return on ads for different companies because we only do ads for things that I think that people actually listen to. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a lot of doing business in the world as a creative person is like a, a navigation of what you're willing to do, what you feel good about doing, like how much you're willing to do an ad for this company as long as it checks these boxes for me. You right. know what I mean? Right, right, All participation right. in capitalism comes with some qualms for me. <laughs> But yeah. also, that's the world people have to live. We don't have universal health care yet, unfortunately, but yeah. hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can totally agree with it is so amazing to be able to talk to another podcaster about this kind of stuff, because it's like my answer about the money thing is ex literally verbatim. So I can pay Lynn what she deserves. And, yeah. And that's yeah. kind of like one of the things, too, that I feel like creating something from nothing. You know, yeah. you, you talking about how like you and April sat down and like made a list like, wow, yeah. what a concept. Wish I would have done that. <laughs> I think that's the, the main reason we make money is because April and I at the beginning were like, Okay, how are we going to make money? I screwed that up royally. <laughs> I mean, it's never too late, but I will say that having someone who did not have ADHD there to plan the beginning was like super helpful because yes. I would have probably not known what to do at all. Having the intention, setting the intention to make money and then being able to scan for the chances for that. Like we did fake ads from episode one and then we had people contact us and be like, oh, actually when I heard the ad, fake ad I was like I want to put an ad there it worked it worked just being like hey waiting for this to come to me yeah you know Maria actually suggested the fake ads for me too we did that a little bit and I think I might so I might try to do it again yeah I mean that came from us being very like dress for the job you want bullshit kind of stuff yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah have you had <laughs> times of doing this podcast where you felt any kind of fear like when it started were you like what if no one listens to this what if this is the one that everybody like decides that they hate the show is that maybe that's too ridiculous yes. of my 
like anxiety. No, it's not. No, no. I mean, I think anyone who creates a creative thing has those feelings. But number one, it was easier for me at the beginning because I had a friend to do it with. And number two, because of the subject matter, I knew there would be people who hated it and were against it. Yeah. And so from the beginning, I kind of just decided, mm, fuck them. I don't fucking care. I'm going to just do it and see if it works. And I do think that because I'm from a privileged background, meaning like financially privileged and I'm white and I'm cis, even though I have these other, you know, marginalized identities, I'm fat, I'm queer, I have chronic illnesses and like mental things going on. But one thing that being white and coming from money gives you is the sense that if you like just ask for things enough, you'll probably get them. You know, if you're polite and ask nicely, you'll probably get them. That's true for most people who come from that privileged background. That's not necessarily right. You know what I mean? Like, I know that the fact that I'm white and like I am a cis woman can be like, okay, can we please do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? And then it might happen. You know what I mean? So like I have a lot of confidence in my ability to like make something work. I also have, I'm like very stubborn, even though most of my insecurities are wrapped up in what I personally have the ability to put out from my own brain and less in what I can get other people to do. Like, I understand what you're saying, but I also think if you just, if you heard no from the first company, you could go to another company. You know, what are they going to do? Also say no. Oh, well, who cares? Yeah. And like, I think I have to give a shout out to Maria. I mean, I've been doing that since day one, but I have to give a shout out to (laughs) Maria because she did, even though I couldn't pay her the money that she deserved, she helped me so much. I really wouldn't be where I am right now if it weren't for Maria. And so I really do relate to that fact that like having a friend to do this with for as long as I did was amazing. Lynn and I are becoming friends. It's great. I would say the top most beautiful things about doing a podcast is like who you get to do it with and who you get to talk to and what you get to talk about. And like, I love social media, you know, it has its problems, but like, I love the ability for people to connect with us on there. And, you know, like I posted the other day about settling into like our new house and like my new job kind of situation and stuff like that. And somebody was like, yeah, this is something that I'm dealing with too. I feel like your show also helps with this idea that like, yeah. you're not alone. And I think that that's one of the greatest things about yeah. doing it, even though it can be hard sometimes. Definitely. I mean, I do this a lot with social media too. A lot of times it helps me to post things that I'm trying to work through how to work on, both from the perspective of like, hey, has anyone else done this and how did you do it? And if it's like, how do I have this conversation or how do I approach this thing with another person? Sometimes I will ask, hey, has anyone been on the receiving end of this? So you could post like, hey, small businesses, if you had someone approaching you, what would you want to hear? Like, what would make you want to say yes to that? And like, I bet you would get a lot of cool responses from like small business owners who were like, you know what I would love to work with? Someone who told me X, Y, and Z. It's much scarier in your head than it is in the real world. You know what I mean? Right there, that sentence is something that I feel like not only I needed to hear right now today, but I feel like so many people need to remember it is so much scarier up here, I'm pointing to my dome, than it is actually. Totally. I mean, I feel like 90% of my mental health stuff is telling myself, no, no, that's just in here. That's not right. And like, it's okay that you're struggling with that right now, but that's not right. And nobody else thinks that. Yes, giving yourself (laughs) the permission to be like, it's okay that you're struggling with that right now. Yes, exactly. Or being like, 
all right. Like it was a huge shift for me to go from, I believe this thing. I believe this thing. I believe this thing. I can't get this thing out of my head to like, wow, isn't it so interesting that that keeps cropping up for me today? Wow. I'm really struggling with that today. Being the observer. That's another thing that my therapist taught me. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that really helps because then that allows me to be a friend to myself more and be like, damn girl, you're struggling today. (laughs) That sucks, you know, or like, wow, I'm really afraid of making this step. I wonder what I could do to help make myself less afraid. If I have trouble pulling back like that, then I will also have trouble looking for solutions because I will insist that I'm the problem. It turns out like sometimes I'm the problem, but usually I'm not the problem, you know? (laughs) And if you are the problem, check yourself and then move on. Like don't beat yourself up about it. Exactly. I mean, it turns out that the people that I care about will tell me when I'm being the problem and I have to like learn how to trust them for that. And taking those comments from people that you care about and knowing that they're telling you because they know that you want to be better and they want you to be better because they care about you. Yeah. I tell myself I'm the problem much more often than anyone else tells me that for sure. And also I'm much more afraid of other people telling me I'm doing something wrong than I actually feel when they're telling me that. Every time it turns out when someone's like, hey, I wish you would do this differently. Sometimes it really affects me, but sometimes I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's way less scary in real life than I've told myself it will be. (laughs) I hope that getting older and doing more therapy and working through those things, I'll start to remember that because sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I already learned that. I learned that already, that it's less scary. But, you know, sometimes it is what it is in there and you got to just go with what you got that day. (laughs) So damn true. So to round this all out, if you had any advice to give I feel like you've given a ton of advice mental health wise and podcast wise which I cannot thank you enough for of course if you had like one piece of advice to give to anybody who is looking to start a podcast what would it be um I think you should really set down a list of goals and like what you're looking to accomplish with it because I think a lot of people have this idea that it'll be like easy and it is not not. easy. (laughs) Like I've been told by a lot of people, like I want to, I think that these things are really funny that my friend and I say, and I think we have a great podcast and I'm like, (laughs) okay, well, good luck with that. (laughs) You know, I think setting down a list of what you want to get out of it and what you want to provide is really, really important. And then seeing how you can get the money for it or how you can do things on a shoestring budget And then, you know, like we are about to put on the website a bunch of courses people can pay for actually for podcast consulting because we get these kinds of questions a lot. And I really, I did a workshop at this festival in Iowa about this. And so we have some materials for it. But like, I think a lot of it is just, you know, the same way before any creative project, you really want to ideate and outline before you do it. And I don't think people sometimes do that with podcasting because it's like a fairly new thing. But yeah, I would just suggest writing down your list of goals in all different ways. Is it like gain an audience for what? Is it express a certain view about what? In what way? For whom? For what to do with that view afterwards? Is it to establish yourself as an expert in a field? Are you an expert in the field? Who are you going to talk to about it? What are you going to do with that? You know, like that kind of thing can really help make your podcast much more pointed and easy to pitch for ads, for example, 
and also like help it grow. Like the more specific something is, the right. easier it is to expand. So that's my like primary advice, I would say. Yeah, I feel like that's all stuff that I could even do right now. Like I'm a big advocate for like, there's always room for improvement. Yes. And like, I'm probably going to follow some of that advice. Great. So it's great that you shared that. <laughs> yeah. And last totally. but not least, for anybody who hasn't listened to the show, what is your favorite episode or like an episode that you would recommend for them to start with? I always recommend people, depending on what you're coming to the show with, start with the episode called The Fat Friend or At Our Thin Friends. Both of those, I think, are helpful perspectives for people who are new to body positivity about other people's experiences. So The Fat Friend is a about being the fat friend and at our thin friends is about like how specifically people can be better allies and like why they should be. Also, if you're interested in media, the fat suit episode is helpful. I think if you like advice columns, every season we do listener letter episodes. Those are really fun. If you're interested in fashion this season, I did a bunch on fashion. And if you like kind of more personal stuff, like I said, the first episode of season four, I feel really good about. And yeah, so it kind of depends like what you're coming at it for. But I think the one like the ones that get shared the most are the fat friend and thin friend ones, because I think they're really easy entrees for people into understanding new perspectives. And you can also find descriptions and links to everything in show notes on our website, which is she's all fatpod.com. We have like Lynn is doing a great job of revamping our site right now. And we have like all sorts of, yeah, we have FAQs, we have resources, we have links to all kinds of other podcasts, and we have links to therapists and body positive and health at every size dietitians and nutritionists. And we have links to just anything you could possibly want to find we have on the website. So I would recommend clicking around on there to see what you're interested in. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to put all the links to that stuff in our show notes as well. So that anybody who's listening to this episode can find them. And I am so thankful for you coming on the show. Of course. And I feel like honestly, this episode of this podcast is basically what I could have asked for with an episode about podcasting, because I feel like this conversation is what podcasting is all about. Like talking about those yeah. things that don't get talked about enough, having like a really good conversation with somebody who, who you know, or who you don't know. I feel like I made a new friend, which is also part of podcasting. Yay. I feel like this <laughs> is, this is the embodiment of podcasting. That's like a very big yes. statement, but I'm going to just save oh my, my God. claim on that right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm really happy you had me on. I'm so happy that we got connected through two of our favorite people. Yes. Shout out to Lynn and Maria. We love you. Yes, we love you. <laughs> and I really think that who knows is going places. So everyone should share this episode with someone who might be interested. Thank you so much. My little tears are coming <laughs> out of my eyes. Thank you so much. <laughs> Am I alone? No, I don't think so. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you got something out of this episode, whether it be some new things that you didn't know about podcasting or some insight into the topic of body positivity or like a ton of other amazing things that we covered. I really can't thank Sophie enough for this conversation. And as always, we encourage you to have conversations like these with the people in your life. The more conversations like these we have, the less we feel so alone trying to figure out life and the closer we feel to those that we love. Learn about new things. Ask people about who they are and what they do. You may learn something new or get excited about something in a way you never thought possible. 
Sophie gave me so many amazing things to think about and I'm so thankful for all of her insight. And it all happened by getting out of my comfort zone about what I do and who I talk to. And you know, it can be really scary to start those conversations, to be like, hey, how about we have a conversation about how fat people are clearly being isolated from airlines and you know, any of the things that Sophie and I talked about. It can feel really intimidating to talk about that stuff. But if you come from a place of trying to understand each other and trust and just not from a place of attacking or hate or disagreement in a violent way, I just really think that exploring those kinds of conversations in a positive atmosphere can really do some good. And so I really hope that these episodes are inspiring you guys to have these kinds of conversations. And I'd love to hear them too. You know, you can reach out to me on social media or send me an email. Let's chat because that's what this is all about, an inspiring conversation. If you want to stay up to date on episode releases or see cute pictures of cats, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WhoKnowsPod. We're also on Facebook at WhoKnows. We feature pets on our Instagram story every day we release a new episode. So if you want to send us a picture of your cat, your dog, or any animal, we love them all, send us a photo over on our Instagram and we will feature your pet. You can also visit our website at WhoKnowsPod. And if you want to send us any questions or have a conversation, you can send us an email at taylor at WhoKnowsPod.com. The best way to support us is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends, your enemies, everyone about the show. We want to grow this community and we need your help to do that. To support us even further, become a patron for as low as $1 a month for access to exclusive content and to help the show get better and better. It's getting better all the time. This episode was hosted by me, Taylor Dankovich. Edited and produced by Lynn Barbera. Our intro music is by Chris Williams, and our outro and transition music is by Tori Silver. Who knows who's out there, but happy Halloween all month long. I love you, and I love Halloween, and I hope you're celebrating. And thanks for listening. Halloween. It's Halloween, Halloween, everybody. Let out a scream. Oh, yeah, it's Halloween. If you listen this far, I'm going to tell you a secret. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay, never mind. Just kidding. But you have that music that I sang. I <laughs>
Okay, I think that's it.